All right, here we go. We're gonna start with a video. This is what happened in Mexico. Buenas noches. This is Nikki unhinged. Viewer discretion is advised.
after Jesus had died, he had descended. He had risen. Well, he rose and then he descended and he's about to ascend. And, and he says this to his disciples. He says, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day, right up to the end of the age. You know, we went to Mexico um, to be a blessing, but we came home with some fantastic training. Because the truth is, and this is something that we learned having been there, and if you ever you get an opportunity to do a short-term missions trip, uh, this is what you come home with. You come home with an example of people doing what you should be doing in your neighborhood. The gospel is good news, which means that it's valuable because people always need good news. How many of you need some good news? Guess what? You got him. His name is Jesus. And he is the power and the grace to overcome in life, no matter what it might look like for you. And so we came home with this training and we said, you know what? We don't want to just pass a mic around because I have seen that before. And uh, you guys just don't care all that much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yes, I know you do, but you get tired of listening. Um, we wanted to do something different. And so what we did is um, we felt like the Lord said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do what you did in Mexico. And what we did, one of the, one of the best parts, uh, for me anyway, with Mexico, is handing out food hampers. And we all pitch in to pay for what goes into those hamster, hampers, not hamsters. <laughs> Nobody wants a hamster. Anyway, and then we spread out throughout the city, and we take different sections, and we go to the different houses that where, where somebody who's local knows they could use a, a food hamper. But what we do, we don't just provide the hamper, we also provide the word. Because God is always speaking, he has something to say all the time for everyone. And sometimes it's as simple as just saying, listen, I just, I just want to take the time to look you in the eye and listen to what God is speaking to my heart about you. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Sometimes it's simply time. But what we did is we decided we would put together our own hamper. And every item that is in this hamper was prayed over by each member who contributed. And so there's, a, there's something behind each item. And what we did is, as a team, we prayed about who we felt uh, God was pointing to that this basket should go to. And we compiled these clues, and we, uh, we prayed about who that person was today here in our house. So we are going to talk about that. Um, well, you're just going to have to watch and see what happens. Do you want to? Yeah. Okay, just before we announce that person. Um, so we also just wanted to say thank you so, so, so much for all of you who gave um, during the time that we took a donation for Kuna's Ministries. Uh, I, I will say that this was, such, I mean, every year I feel like Mexico trips just get better and better. And so um, just be thinking, if the Lord's already stirring your heart, there will be a next trip. So I'm just pu putting that plug out there. Um, you don't want to miss this. It's just amazing what God does. And we... Um, are still working out the, all of the figures, but we are going to be able to give more than $2,000 to Kuna's Ministries and donations. So thank you. Yes. Um, and I will say that this trip was such a, a beautiful time of just um, building a bridge. You know, it, it often feels like we as Connector are going to visit Mexico and partnering with them, but this time it, it really felt like we were with our family. And um, more than ever before, I, I feel like what we are connect in Mexico because of Kunez's and because of who they are to us um, and all of their staff. And so it was just such a beautiful time to just be with our family in Mexico um, and see what God is doing in and through their ministries. So you are all a part of that, and we just want to encourage you 
the Lord is speaking to you to go to Mexico, like, you got to go, because there are family down there, and, and what God is doing is amazing, and um, they're just committed to the mission of the gospel there, and so it's really incredible. Um, and we're just so proud of all of this team as well. They have just said yes to every single thing, no matter how uncomfortable it was, no matter if they've never done it before. Even if I said five minutes before it's time to preach the gospel, they said, yes, Nikki, we will go for it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, with that, we felt a charge, not only from the Lord, but the Kunas ministry staff really charged us with this challenge um, to say, look, we are Mexican people, the staff, you know, down there. We are Mexican people ministering to our own people. So I don't understand why you have to come here. To, I mean, it's great you come here to Mexico, but why aren't you doing the same thing in America that we're doing to our people in Mexico? And we felt really challenged to, to act that out. And so that's kind of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that comes with today. So, okay. So, Yes. Okay. So uh, we would like this person to come forward that um, the Lord just is highlighting today, and that is Becky. Becky, would you come forward? <laughs> I know. Sorry. I didn't even warn you. <laughs> so... Um, we, we have compiled this uh, gift and, and this basket, and the Lord has been speaking to us all week about these items, and we had no idea who the person was until this morning. The Lord made it abundantly clear that, that it was you, and um, so I think that, you know, we won't have time this morning, but if people who have put the items in the gift want to share with Becky, um, you know, what the Holy Spirit spoke to them, but we just want to gather around you, and uh, we're just going to ask the Lord for prophetic words, and we just want to pour into you and pray over you this morning. So, team, can we gather? This is exactly what it looked like in Mexico. So we would show up at the person's house, we'd give them the basket, and then we would put them in the middle, and we would lay hands upon them, not too suddenly, but we'd lay hands upon them, and then we begin to ask God for a word. So I will try to pass the mic, so, that, so if you have something, get my attention. Go. I'll go first. Um, I think it's really cool that's you because we, we didn't know who it was like individually. We just um, like had a clue and then we gave it to Kelly and Nikki and then they put all the clues together to find the person. So um, I got to meet you and your wonderful kiddos at youth group the other night, mm -hmm. which was cool. Um, and I think both of your kiddos got a little word, so it's cool that you get a word today. Um, but just this morning when we prayed as a group before this, before I even know who you were, I just kept hearing that you are seen by not only us, um, but you're seen by God, and he loves you so much. And um, I just, I'm so thankful that you're up here because I think it's so cool, but um, so yeah, I just, I pray that, that it is so revealed to you through your week this week and your year that you're just seen. So, um, whatever that looks like in your life, uh, I just hope that you can stop every now and then and just look back and say, you know what? I, I was seen in that moment and I'm so thankful for that. So that's all I got. Becky, I um, am still practicing, so this may hit or may not, uh, and it's okay if it doesn't, but I feel like you are at a, either a crossroad or like you're coming up to a door that's locked and you feel like you just can't get through or you can't cross the threshold, but God wants you to know that you he has all of the keys that you need to keep pursuing him and he will give you little by little to get you over whatever this challenge or this hump is. And that not only will he get you through that, but he will do it with joy in his heart for you because he's so proud of who you are. <laughs> Becky, I just want you to know that the Lord wants to be your restoration. He wants to embrace you and love on you and just let you know you are so precious to him. I also got the privilege of meeting you on Wednesday or hanging out with you and 
God is just telling me that you're loved and that you deserve peace throughout everything. And your kids are loved and, and just that you're a great mom. God is restoring things, yes, but, but you have done so well. I just feel like he's saying, daughter, you stayed the course. You stayed the course. Well done. Well done. And there are things that you've been asking. You've been a little afraid, but you, you have some things in your heart that you hold very close to you. I know what those things are, and it's okay for you to ask me. It's okay for you to talk about them. You, you, didn't, you didn't mess up. I'm so proud of you. You've been faithful. You've been obedient. And I want to open some doors for you. It's the kind of thing that no man could do for you. Only me. Only me. And you know what? I want to do that because I love you. I'm a good father. I'm such a good father. And you are finding this as you're going and as you're growing. And I, I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. So this week, um, I was actually on Friday, I was cooking and I, um, I I'm going to describe this because I feel like this, this was, anyways, okay. So I was cooking and um, I was going to cook some meat in a pan and I had some hot oil that was heating up and I had a pot of boiling potatoes next to it and I didn't realize that the potatoes were spewing water into the oil. And so when I went to put the meat in the pan, it like exploded all at me. And I got burns and it was like this thing, okay? It's not serious, I'm fine. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that that was a message for you. I feel like that this is what you've experienced. It's, it was like a shock. You didn't understand what had happened originally and you got burned. And it was like this explosion and you're like, oh my gosh, and you're reeling from it. I just, I, I want to speak peace, okay? God, I, I pray that you would put, uh, um, I, I used frankincense to help with the burn, and it's this really fragrant oil. And so I, I just pray that you would um, be that frankincense, that that fragrant um, thing would calm the wound would begin to heal what is burned, what is um, raw, what is, oh. it's frankincense, yeah, <laughs> right, so, <laughs> um, oh God, he just loves you so much. had no idea that Emma had that word or was even going to say that. Um, and as I was praying this morning, the Lord told me to make a rollerball of frankincense oil. And so I, I made this, and the, the verse that came to my mind um, was Luke 7, 36 through 50. And it's the woman, the woman that came to Jesus' feet, and, and with her tears, she wet his feet, and she wiped um, his feet with oil and with her hair. And... Um, all of the, the people in the room were saying, she's such a fool. Like, she, you know, she's this woman with all this baggage. And, like, who is she to come, you know, to come in? And, and Jesus was saying, look at you all. You didn't even greet me when I came into the room. Yet this woman, with her tears, has wiped my feet and has poured oil over them and has worshipped me. And, and I felt the Lord saying, Becky, even if this is all you have, even if all you have is a bottle of oil, the Lord honors that. He honors that, and he sees you. And in, in the verse, it says, your faith in me has given you life. Now you, may, now you may leave and walk in the way of peace. And so I just speak that healing over you and that peace over you, and the Lord, he honors. Even it's just the tears in the bottle of oil, he honors that. So we just bless you, Becky, and, and I encourage all of you, if you have more words for Becky, come find her after service. You know, th this may not be done, um, but Becky, we love you, and the Lord sees you, and he knows you, and he has been speaking to every one of us um, because he so cares for you and because the best is yet to come. So go and walk in peace. You are a new creation. In Jesus' name.
So we just want to say thank you, all of you. That may have been awkward for some of you, but this is, <laughs> this is what we did. This is literally our day in and day out of Mexico. We just, we found people and we just asked the Lord's heart for them and he just showed up. It's not because of what the qualifications that we had or because of the training necessarily that we had, but God's heart is so much more about just having people having an encounter with him. Um, and so, yeah, we just, we're excited um, to go forth with the challenge of doing this more often here among our own people because um, we don't have to go to Mexico to see God move. So thank you all. All right. If this is new to any of you, can I just put this quickly into context? Kelly mentioned that uh, we believe and we've experienced that God is always speaking. And so we're always listening and, and trying to learn how to hear him speak better. And, and when the Lord speaks to us and gives us something uh, to share with somebody, the Bible calls that prophecy. A lot of times we think of prophecy as being telling the future, but 1 Corinthians 14 says that when we prophesy, we share messages that strengthen, encourage, and comfort. So here at Connect, we, we just practice doing that, and that's what our team did. Um, and we always want to always tell people that um, it's possible in this learning to hear God speak that we could get it wrong. So we try to remember to ask people if it landed, and they can say yes or no, and if it doesn't land, if, if it doesn't resonate, uh, that's okay, because we're all learning together to hear God speak. And I want to ask Becky if it landed, but she is hugging my wife right now, so I'm guessing Becky it landed. Thumbs up, thumbs up, okay. Awesome. All right, quick pivot. Uh, I'm so glad to have Jay and Cheryl Taylor with us. Come on up, guys. Yes. Children, thank you. Kids, you can go to your classrooms. They're ready for you. Thank you for reminding me. Jay, you can grab that microphone right there. Many of you have met Jay and Cheryl before, and I know that lots of you haven't, so uh, let me just introduce them briefly. Uh, Jay and Cheryl are some of our oldest friends, um, some of our very dearest friends. In fact, on Friday night when they got into town, we went on a double date together, Chris and me and Jay and Cheryl, because we are celebrating 37 years since our first double date on Valentine's Day, which was Chris and my very first date. We shared it with these two. So uh, these people are not insignificant in our lives. In fact, uh, Jay and Cheryl, you, you have had such a huge impact on us. And I was thinking about this this morning, actually. Uh, let, me, let me just share a little bit. Um, Jay and I were friends even before the two of you got married and long before Chris and I got married. And, and Jay really became a mentor to me uh, in, in the very early days of our friendship. And one of the things that Jay and I talked about at long length was what does biblical community look like? And one of the things we would talk about is in a church, what does it look like for people to really love one another and develop relationships that go the distance? Instead of just being short term, we come in and say hi and everything's at a surface level. And even as young people, we started practicing what it looked like to live in community. Uh, Jay and Cheryl got married. Uh, Jay and I were serving uh, together in a large church in Boise. And because we valued living in community, we chose to rent apartments, two apartments, in the same fourplex. And Jay and Cheryl lived on the bottom. I lived up on the top. And then we just practiced living in community. We ate most of our meals together. Um, you guys bought a washer. I bought a dryer. And my apartment became the laundry room. There were some awkward things that happened in those days, but we, we learned what it meant to live in community. 
Um, we learned that we needed to knock before we just walked into one another's apartments. We lived in community. Um, and so this was a part of our dream, developing biblical community. You have dedicated your lives to biblical community. Chris and I have dedicated our lives to biblical community. And when we started this church from scratch in 2008, we called it Connect because we wanted it to be a place where people really connected. This is a family. We love one another deeply. We're committed to the relationships that we build here. And as I've been reading through 2 Corinthians, there's a section in 2 Corinthians where it says, don't, don't make me cry, Jay. There's a place in 2 Corinthians where Paul talks about how the Corinthians were demanding letters of recommendation. And he said, you are my letters of recommendation. Because the Corinthian church was the fruit of Paul's ministry. And I wanted to say this to you, Jay and Cheryl. Connect Church is your letter of recommendation. Because who we are is the maturing of the dream that we had 30 years ago, 40 years ago, however many years ago. And um, I'm so glad you're here. We're not talking about all that, but I just want you to know that who we are is so large. So we, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's jump into this interview. Okay, we're going to do two things, and we're going to get you out on time this morning. No, I lied. You're going to be about 10 minutes late. Um, I want you to hear from Jane Cheryl. They have been missionaries to Africa now for five years. We are the only church that they have visited since five years ago. They came in 2020 to connect to give us an update. But many of you haven't, haven't met them before. So they're going to share with you a little bit about what's happening in, in, in Africa. And then I asked Cheryl to share a, a short message. Cheryl is brilliant as a communicator, but she's also great at sharing short messages. So we're going we're gonna to do... We're going to do a little update, and then Cheryl's going to share a message with you. And um, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, are you guys on? Uh, yes. Okay. Can you hear Cheryl? Is, is your battery pack on? Testing. There we go. Just got to connect to the power source. Okay. So let's just start with you telling us a little bit about Kenya, what you're doing there, what's happened in five years of ministry. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, and uh, we'll do this really fast to, um, because you want to hear what Cheryl has to share. But um, uh, this is our family. Uh, we have two children, Joshua and Natalie. Uh, I, I will say there's a connection here. Uh, Natalie is, Natalie's best friend is sitting over here. Carly. Carly, yeah. actually. And uh, we, she's an MSU student, and this is her home church. And uh, we are, uh, it's just a joy to have, to see her also. Um, and our son is, uh, lives in Kansas City, and he's an analyst for the Federal Reserve. And uh, we spent 25 years in Springfield, Missouri, at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, uh, training pastors, missionaries, church leaders. Uh, and uh, we got to the point where we... Uh, a missionary came to us and said, uh, you know, um, a lot of people could do your job uh, that would love to do your job. You've done a good job. Would you consider leaving it to come to Africa to help us train uh, pastors and church planners and ministry? And we knew that that was eventually the, 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 the goal. We decided let's start it early and give us more time in doing that task. And so uh, we live, we work, we live in Kenya uh, in Kenya, in Nairobi, and it's on the continent of Africa. Many people don't understand how large that is. If you look upon the map, you can take all of the countries listed there and see that they all fit within the continent of Africa. The continent of Africa is absolutely huge. On that continent, there is, um, there is still 867 uh, unreached people groups uh, that have not, do not have a viable witness of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. 
that he wants to, he's their savior and he wants to have a relationship with them. And that is what really drives us is to train pastors and people to, to figure out ways to reach these kinds of people. And so that's what, that's what we're involved with. Um, also, uh, we do this um, through training of pastors and church planters uh, on the continent. And uh, we're heavily involved in that primarily in East Africa, but we consult and help throughout the continent. Uh, we, uh, when we first arrived there, we spent six months in, um, in uh, Tanzania learning Swahili, which is sort of the regional language of the time. We lived there uh, for a while and it was quite an experience. It was a remote part of, of Tanzania. So if we wanted butter, uh, we churned it ourselves. Uh, no joke. Um, uh, we learned to live without power. We learned to live uh, without uh, different things. Uh, and we enjoyed uh, that. It was a real good experience for us. And quite frankly, it was good to learn to live off the grid a bit. And uh, that was a wonderful experience, like most of the world does. Yeah. And understanding that. Uh, we do it by training uh, pastors and, uh, and leaders, uh, and we're heavily involved in that, and uh, we enjoy that, um, uh, what we do. Uh, here are some of the pastors and leaders that we, we do. Uh, many of the people that we work with um, are uh, engaged and involved in leadership, both men and women. And we're excited to see that. So this, these next several slides are just going to give you a quick, quick snapshot of a lot of the things that we have done over the last five years. They're just a quick snapshot. We could go on and on. But we've spent a lot of time building relationships. We have helped to develop and lay the foundation for 30 new Bible schools. We have taught all over the place in Bible schools. We counted up. We have taught over... 300 Bible school teachers who, when they go back to their schools, the people they're responsible to teach, it's over 22,000 students. That's awesome. So we are training the next, the people who are training the next generation of pastors yeah. in East Africa. Yeah. Uh, we have done countless teaching and preaching. We speak for conferences. We have done children's crusades. We have done medical clinics. This clinic, I just, I just have to stop and tell you a little something about this. This is in the Maasai Mara among one of the people that they just gone out of the unreached people group. So in the, I think like 3%. They're, mm -hmm. they're just above. And we started this medical clinic. We have two medical doctors on our team in 2019. And since 2019, in the last three years, they focus on uh, prenatal care and births. And in that time, we have been able to uh, lower the infant mortality rate from 70% to 30%. Really cool. That's awesome. Very exciting. Uh, and one other thing, uh, there's, they have not lost one child. In That's the, been born in, in the, the clinic. clinic. Not in one. The, not one. So it's really reaching. There's one girl there. She's just one of my favorite friends in Kenya. Her name is Lucy. And Lucy, like most Maasai girls, when she was eight years old, she was married off. And she now at 24 has six children. But she got saved through the ministry of this clinic. That's awesome. And she came to our team and she said, you know what? I don't have much. But what I have, I want to give back to God. So she said, I have some time which was six kids, and the women do right. everything there. I'm yep. not quite sure how she has time, but she said, I have my hands, and I have some time. So she was the very first volunteer, and she every single week she volunteers in the clinic. So anyway, it's just really cool what's happening in all kinds of ways. So we've done medical clinics. We've done community service. Also, uh, this is our daughter. Uh, that, that did, Our daughter um, ended up graduating from high school uh, while she was there in in Kenya, and uh, she's doing really well. It was a great, great involvement. Also, we do crusades, open-air crusades, and uh, interesting story about, about this particular one. On the way to this crusade, we got stuck in a riot, and uh, we were with a team. Uh, there was a riot. There was a, uh, um, the, the community was upset at the policemen, and they were burning tires, and everything in the street, they were angry. Uh, the, the next picture will show some of uh, that. If you'll 
Yeah, next, next picture. Uh, the government called in. They have special squads. Like a SWAT team. Like a SWAT team that they called in. And uh, we were there. And one of our team members started to witness to some of the people standing around. And in the midst of a salvation prayer of five. Five people gave five their lives to Jesus. gave their lives to Christ during the time of uh, of. of Tear gas, tear gas, gunfire, and gunfire, and everything, and they were just focused in on uh, the people we work with are just really into you know Jesus is everything, uh, everything is about Jesus, and so so we it's been an experience uh, to to do some of those those types of things. Uh, the next the last one is just that he already mentioned our daughter was able to finish high school there, which was a big answer to prayer. And when we were here last time, we asked you to pray because we were taking our daughter into a lot of places that were not safe at all. And I won't go into the stories, but God protected us and did amazing things in her life there. And now she's graduating from, from college, college and getting married the next day year, in May. So we're excited for her. Yep. Okay, let's jump up to some of the challenges that you face, that the... the, the the church in Kenya faces, and tell us a little bit about what you are doing to address those challenges. Yeah, so in Kenya, the gospel is just spreading at an incredible rate, and the, the good news, the spirit is really moving. In fact, the Kenyan Assemblies of God, just one country in East Africa, they have a goal of planting 500 churches a year. Now, this is not extraordinary, and the fact, believe it or not, during the year of COVID, they planted 350 churches during COVID, during COVID. So 500 is nothing. Their goal is to plant a, a, uh, a healthy church in walking distance of every African, all right? That's their goal. The problem is this. They can only train currently about 300 pastors a year that their system designs, so is designed to do. So one of the things that we're there to, obviously, is to help them figure out ways to be more effective in raising the quality of the ministers because, quite frankly, it's easy to plant the church. What is the difficult part is being healthy. And many of the things that, that you, many of the, the techniques and the, the ways and the relationships that you experience here at Connect, are foreign to them. Mm -hmm. And they need to be taught and they need to learn about those within their own cultural context. Can you give us an example of what happens with pastors who aren't well trained? We need to skip ahead like three or four slides. Yeah, skip ahead there, Shane. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, so because uh, their goal is to plant 500 and they've been planting 500 or more churches a year, but they're only graduating 300 people prepared to be pastors, that means they end up with a lot of pre-pastors who have not been trained at all, and so there's a lot of false teaching. Yes. Yeah, so false teaching like, you know, like you've all heard, uh, you know, you can drink poison and you'll be fine. Well, they'll demonstrate, the, the pastors will ask them to demonstrate their, their faith, faith by doing that. By drinking, this like is that. rat poison. Yeah, and different things. It's, or spraying insecticide in their eyes. It's quite amazing what's, what's going on when you have people that are not trained and they do different things. Uh, another one that's taking place here is um, we have, a, this is a, a gentleman here who claims to be a Pentecostal preacher uh, for an international church uh, in a town called Melindi. And he convinced his people that Jesus was coming and that they could meet God if they went and fasted. So they went into the woods, they began to fast, they would go to fast so that they could meet Jesus. And they needed to stay there and until they... And they needed to stay until they saw Jesus. And to date, they've uncovered about 400 bodies already. And there's still hundreds more missing. And they're still missing, and many of them were children. And it's the problem with false teaching. Yeah. And miss and, and not trained people yeah, yeah. in what it means. So so that's a, that's our heart. That's our passion. So there's an urgency that you carry oh, yeah. with what oh, you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, lives are at stake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Literally, literally, I was saying. So one of the things that we do to address this is that we're working with uh, teachers from the, one of our projects is working with teachers 
from five, uh, five different countries. That would be uh, Kenya, uh, Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, uh, Sudan. And here's a picture of these 70. These are all teachers who teach pastors how to pastor. So we're working with the teachers of their Bible school. Point of interest, interesting. Each one of these are ordained ministers. All of them combined, the average is plant, they've all planted at least three churches themselves. Every one of them have planted at least three churches. So there is a hunger, there is a desire. And so one of the things that we're doing is working with them, giving them the tools, the exposure, trying to instill the DNA in how to not only plant churches, they can do that, but how to make them healthy, how to keep them healthy, similar to the experience that you experience here in Connect Church. Okay. Um, the next question that I'm supposed to ask you is how can we pray for you? We'll pray. Will we not pray? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm not going to ask for them to tell you how to pray. We'll just pray. I do want to ask you, what do you need for financial support? How can we bless you financially? Can we just skip ahead to that? Shane, yeah, sure. Shane skip ahead, please. Um, there are several different ways. First, just the big general big picture. As missionaries, we personally still need 1500 a month in our support. That goes for our living, our travel back and forth, all of our things. And this is for the next five years. Um, so the money we're raising now, we have to raise it to last us for the next five years. And then we still need 50000 for projects like this one. And I know 50000 at first it sounds like so much money, but when you think over five whole years, yes. 10000 a, a year is not a lot for us to work with for, for, all of the, yeah. for all of the ministry projects we're doing. We help support the medical clinics and the children crusades and all the things you've heard us talking about. Well, just with this teacher's cohort alone, the training Bible school teachers, this gives you an idea how it breaks out. $25 for the tuition for one student for one class. $100 is the textbooks for a student for a year. $500 provides a full tuition scholarship for the tuition part for a Bible school teacher to get their BA degree, an accredited degree. Uh, $1,500 would cover all of the textbooks for our 70 Bible school teachers for one class, and it costs us $9,000 to provide their uh, textbooks for one year. So that just kind of helps you break down and see where some of that money is going to. Yes. So those are some of our specific needs right now. Okay. Awesome. Is that the end of yep. my part? Okay. Let's pray. And then uh, if you want to give, uh, there is a pull-down menu in the app, and you could also give in an envelope. Uh, but let's just pray for Jane Cheryl, and then Cheryl's got a short message um, that she wants to share. So I hope you'll just settle in and be patient, because I know Cheryl uh, speaks powerfully. Lord, I, I, I don't even have words that adequately express my gratitude for the influence that Jay and Cheryl have had on my life and, and on Chris and me. And by extension, this church that uh, you have called us to be a part of. Thank you, Lord, for their ministry. And we want to pray as connectors, Lord, we want to pray for them, Lord, that as they go back to Africa, Lord, that you will continue to resource them and empower them to make the disciples of these up-and-coming pastors who are going to continue to transform a continent. One of the things I know is that Africa is in a time of transformation. The gospel is spreading like wildfire. It's amazing that 500 churches are being planted a year in Kenya alone. Lord, we, we just pray for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the goodness of Jesus to just infuse everything Jay and Cheryl are doing to create healthy leaders who will then help to plant healthy churches. And Jesus, help us to partner with them. I pray that you will speak to us. Even now as we pray, Lord, uh, tell us, Lord, what you would uh, direct us to give today or maybe on an ongoing basis and we just want to invest in the kingdom and all that's happening in Africa. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Say thank you to my buddy Jay. Cheryl, we will be a good audience. <laughs> <laughs>
So don't okay. feel like you have to rush, okay? okay. Well, I, I still will try to go very quickly. Um, you guys, was this not so fun this morning to get to see? That was really cool. God is doing very exciting things here in Bozeman, or technically you're not Bozeman, here in Montana. He's doing exciting things in Africa and Mexico all around the world. We live in a time of greater opportunity and need when it comes to missions than ever before. And today, I just want to continue to challenge you as a church, both as individuals and as a Church Connect Church. God wants to do even greater things in and through you when it comes to missions than ever before. So please, just open up your hearts, open up your, your lives, and l- allow God to just speak to you and to challenge you, is there more that he wants to do through you? Uh, do you know what a paradox is? A paradox is a statement or an idea that uh, seems to contradict itself. Some common ones you've probably heard, less is more. It takes money to make money. Deep down, you're really shallow. If I know one thing, it's that I know nothing. Doing nothing is exhausting. This is the beginning of the end. So there's all kinds of paradoxes. You kind of get what I mean. Statements that kind of contradict each other. Well, the Christian life is full of paradoxes. Full of them. Last is first. Giving is receiving. Dying is living. Losing is finding. The least is greatest. Poor is rich. Serving is ruling. God, we serve a God of both justice and mercy. These things, sometimes in our heads, they may seem like they don't make sense. But in God's kingdom, in his economy, they do. And there is a paradox when it comes to missions that all our great, all-powerful God, this king that we sang about all morning, he chooses to accomplish his missional work through us. Through every single one of us here in this room, through his children, he wants to use us to bring the truth of his gospel to a world that needs to hear it. It's amazing because this God, he could just snap his fingers and declare salvation for everybody. He doesn't. He chooses to work through people like us. We are finite human beings with limitations, but we serve a God who wants us to expand his kingdom around the world. He wants us to live without limits. So this is the mission's paradox. On the one side, we have an all-powerful God, the King of kings, the one and only king who reigns forever that we sing about. And he, the staggering magnitude, as you read scripture and study and learn what this God is about. He is amazing. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult or too hard for me? There's not. He created the entire universe by just speaking a word, and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Truly, with God, all things are possible. And God has a heart for missions. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, God does not want anyone to perish. He desires that all people come to repentance. 1 Timothy 2, 4, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. This amazing, all-powerful God who could do anything he wants chooses to use us to bring this truth to the world that needs it. As Kelly said this morning, she said the verse that Jesus said in Matthew 28. These were his last words before he left this earth. He commissioned his followers. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. This is something that all of us are to do. And so this brings us into the other side of this paradox that seems contradictory. This all-powerful God, he wants to use us with all of our limitations, our imperfections, all of our humanness and our fallenness and our brokenness. We see this paradox summed up really well in 2 Corinthians 4.7. So we're kind of on your theme, Russ. 2 Corinthians 4.7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This God, the treasure, I think Kelly even said it, is valuable. The gospel is so valuable. And we have that treasure in us. God has placed the treasure of the gospel inside of all of us to share with the world. Really quickly, I want you to say this out loud with me. I want to break down the main points of this verse. First, there is a treasure. Can you say that with me? There is a treasure. I am not it. I am a clay pot. 
I am a damaged, broken, cracked clay pot. Yet God wants to use me. God wants to use us. Despite all of our limitations and frailties, here is the paradox. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Isn't that an amazing paradox that doesn't make sense in our economy, but our amazing, powerful God wants to work through us, and his strength is made perfect that way. God uses ordinary people, or cracked pots, to do amazing things to accomplish his work in the world. He's done this always, even in the Bible. God called people to do something, and we see their humanness, because very often their first response is one of fear and hesitation and doubt. Remember when he called Moses, Moses said, but Lord, I have never been eloquent. I am slow of speech and tongue. Please use someone else. Later he says, God, take my brother Aaron. Don't use me. Gideon. Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I am the least in my family. So he felt Moses couldn't speak well. Gideon said he was just too simple. He's nobody. Abraham. Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? I'm too old, Lord. Jeremiah, alas, sovereign Lord, I am too young. <laughs> Just the opposite of Abraham. Esther, or Isaiah, woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. I'm too sinful, Lord. I'm not righteous enough for you to use. Esther, how can I do this, God? For any man or woman who approaches the king without being summoned, the king has but one law that they be put to death. Her concern, it was too dangerous. The rich young ruler, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He was too rich. Saul, when, when Samuel wanted to anoint Saul as king, the people couldn't find Saul, and they asked where he was, and the Lord said, see, he's hidden himself among the baggage. He had too much baggage. You see what I'm trying to get at. In the face of God's call, in our humanity and our fear, we come up with excuses. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too rich. I'm too poor. I'm not educated enough. It's too dangerous. You get the point. I have too much baggage. Whatever it may be, it's easy to have excuses. Yet all of them still stepped out with a bold faith and were able to accomplish the amazing thing that God called them to do that they could have never done on their own. And that is because they discovered God is able. The next, God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we dare ask or think. Do you realize that? The all-powerful God wants to work his power through us, his cracked pots, his cracked human-limited clay pots. He wants to use that power to shine through our lives. Do anything beyond our wildest dreams. When he says anything more than we dare ask or think, any beyond what we can even dream we could do for him. Philippians 14 I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Well, what does this mean for us today as believers and as a church when it comes to missions? As individuals and as a church, God wants to challenge you to a new level of missions involvement. Obviously, just a few of the first easy things we think of we can do. We can pray for missions, we can give to missions, and we can go to missions. We saw that. I loved getting to see this this morning. The people are going. You can go across the street here in Montana. You can go to Mexico. You can go to Africa. Uh, there's all kinds of things we can do. And in our humanness, it's easy to come up with excuses. When it comes to prayer, I don't know what to pray for. I don't have enough time. I'll do it tomorrow. When it comes to giving, I don't have enough, or I'm not sure it's going to be used well, or there's never enough. You know what? Just ask anybody. There's never enough. And so then you have to come down to, is this a question? Am I trying to control my funds or am I really surrendering them to God? And when it comes to going, some of our excuses are it's a dangerous world or I'm not good with languages or I'd miss my, my kids and grandkids. You know, there's all kinds of those things. Believe me, when we first talked about, when we were first challenged to give up a secure income and move to Africa and take our teenage daughter to some places that were pretty unsafe, I faced a lot of these fears. But I can tell you that when we are courageous enough to step out, face the fears, and still step out in bold faith, God is really faithful, and he, that's when he shows up and does things. He wants to use us. It might be scary, but I challenge you to step out because faith always works in the realm of the impossible. 
Faith always works in the realm of the impossible. Early missionary to China, Hudson Taylor said, there are three stages to every great work of God. First, it's impossible, then it's difficult, then it's done. It's impossible, then it's difficult, then it's done. If we're easy, as American Christians, it's really easy to get comfortable. We settle into a routine. We kind of just get complacent when it comes to the things that God could and should do through us. And I just want to challenge you, dare to dream, because God wants to do something even bigger through you. He calls us to step out with faith and believe him for more. William Carey was one of the early missionaries to India. He's considered the father of modern missions. And he's challenged this way. He said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. When we step out in obedience, that's when we get to discover the joy of doing something for God that we could have never done on our own. So in closing, this is the beginning of the end. Our daughter, Natalie, was born prematurely. And so when she was born, she was born very, very small. When someone would ask her, how big are you? She would raise her hands really tall and she'd say, I am so big. Here's this little, little girl saying, I am so big. As if somehow if she were to raise her hands, it would make her look more huge or something. I want to ask you today, if you were to look deep inside and someone were to ask you, how big is your God? Can you truly answer, my God is so big. Is your God so big today? How big is your God? How big is your God? The way we live our lives is the result of the size of our God. Does your life reveal that you serve the Lion of Judah or a common house cat? If our faith in God cannot believe him for something bigger than us, then we have tamed him and our faith is no longer in him but in our own human ability. When we don't really understand God's awesomeness and his power, then we serve a very small God. And as a result, we don't expect him to do great things, and we don't attempt to do great things for him. Connect Church, I ask you today, as individuals and as a body, is your God so big? We haven't really believed God until we have attempted something that can't be done in our own power. If what you're doing for God in missions doesn't scare you, then you're able to do it in your own strength, and you don't need God. Pastor and author Mark Batterson said, if you have never had a God-sized dream that scared you half to death, then you haven't really come to life. If you have never been overwhelmed by the impossibility of your plans, then your God is too small. I challenge you to do missions in a way that reflects you serve a God that is so big. I dare you to partner with a God in a mission bigger than you are. Step out in bold faith. Respond to the call of a God who is so big that he wants to do God-sized missions endeavors through this church. Thank you. I told you she could do it. What I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to us as a church today, I mean, it's really clear. Kelly and, and Nikki did not collaborate with Cheryl, but what's God saying to us? Be on mission right where you live. And, and Cheryl, thank you for the challenge. And in fact, while you were speaking, I felt like the Lord highlighted somebody in my life that he gave me a strategy while you were speaking. I'm, I'm going to be on mission. Uh, Chris, I need to talk to you. You and I need to be partnering with uh, I think the Lord has somebody for us to reach out to. And I'm sure that's happening to lots of us. Okay. If you want to support Jane Cheryl, you can do that uh, by, by giving, like I said, in the app. There's a pull-down menu for Jane Cheryl. Jay's brother, John, is also one of our missionaries to Indonesia. So if you're choosing a tailor from the app, make sure you get Jane Cheryl and not John. But if you're giving in the envelopes, you can just mark tailors on the envelope and it'll all go to them. And if you're on the far right side of a row, grab those baskets and pass them down. And our team will pick them up. I'm so glad you were here. I hope you have a wonderful week. 
I hope your week is full of all kinds of kisses from Jesus this week. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 next week. Have a great week, everybody.